are listening to Amy Shark singing Amy Shark on Kitchen Radio on HCCC 102.1 FM in Alice Springs and in Tennant Creek. Or maybe you're listening to this online or maybe you're listening to this after the fact on a podcast. Amy Shark has been chosen because tonight we're talking about the very contentious subject of eating shark or possibly flake. And I would like to welcome one of my most favourite guests on Kitchen Radio and that is Laurie May. Welcome Laurie May. Thanks for having me Rita. I'm, I'm, yeah, it is a contentious issue and I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to talk about all the ins and outs of it. It's interesting how we came to this topic last week because well, you showed me a picture of your husband holding a shark that he'd caught. Yeah. Well, I think we came about because I'd killed a goat. <laughs> it started off with the goat, didn't it? it started and then off. I was like, well, look what else I've done. Yeah. So It was know. a hero shot too. It was um, a really it was it, a great shot. It was. Yeah. A con- you know, content warning or, um, you know, for anyone who, uh, you know, isn't okay or doesn't feel comfortable around um, animal consumption. But it is a discussion around ethical animal, well, as ethical as you can be. Yeah, in, like, the, in that in that space, and I think if you're, uh, if you are, a, a lot of people are meat eaters, and like I, I believe I said on, I've said around goats before, is, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of meat eaters don't think about where their food is coming, and I think if you are going to be consuming meat, it is mm. important to understand where that's coming from and the processes that are involved Absolutely. with that. And while we try and be ethical here on Kitchen Radio, we do look at the full scope of, of food and what people actually eat at mm. home. And I think to just only sort of have talk about ethical food is, you know, steers away from or shies away from some of the really interesting issues out there. Yeah, and ethics is an interesting one because everyone has their own sets of ethics and what they believe is. And so for me and, and my upbringing and my lifestyle, this is as ethical as I um, can be. And so it actually started on a fishing trip. We were fishing for Nanagai in South Australia, which is like a, a crimson snapper type fish and mm. an absolutely gorgeous fish. And then, yeah, Nico's rod bent down really far and it went, as soon as you see that, you go, that's a shark. And oh, okay. <laughs> we were like, oh no. So you move everyone to the other side of the, you know, got to be safe. Yep. Get it on board. Then it's, and then it was very quick. As soon as he got it on board, took the photo and then he was throwing up out the side of the boat. <laughs> because it was so hard to catch or just the process? He'd actually pulled a muscle in his rib oh. the week before and the the you've got to do it very – you've got to catch sharks quickly. Yep. You can't mess around. You've, mm-hmm. It's a quick process. You've got to get them in the boat as soon as you can because otherwise they um, – the like crocodiles, the lactic acid starts to break down. Okay. Yeah, And they and become really, really <clears> – <throat> Chemicals leach out into the skin yeah. and actually can make it um, quite toxic to eat. Yeah, yeah. Is it like mackerel? I've been on boats where mackerel have been caught and they've sort of like there's these teeth going and you're absolutely terrified if you're sitting around. So it's not you're not worried about sort of the shark kind of like gouging you once you catch it. Um, <clears throat> no. Once you land it, I no. think the correct term is. No, once you once you land it, you have to donk it on the head straight away. Yep. So it's um it's a really important process when fishing for sharks that you have mm-hmm. to kill them immediately. And then you have to gut them immediately. Mm. And the reason you have to gut them straight away is because uh, sharks urinate through their skin, mm. which is really interesting, through their flesh. So they, yeah. they're they just constantly peeing. That's the ocean. It's just full of shark pee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so they they pee out through the skin and when they when they pass, uh, you know, they, they excrete that. So you've actually got to do it very, very quickly. And one of the things I, I do want to talk about with this is that it's very different catching your own produce and hunting your own produce than it is commercial fishing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so one of the things, I don't buy flake or shark commercially. I don't buy it in stores. That's my personal choice. So when you go to the fish and chip shop here in Eastside, do you choose flake? I don't. I don't. I'm yeah. I'm celiac as well, so I can. I don't really eat anything. I don't cook um, very I, often. I have never eaten there. I'm really sorry about that. And so they're right next door. You'll have right to go over and get a piece of flake. Well, I did walk out of here on a Good Friday one year, and it was there was just like a lineup outside, and I thought, I oh, really, this is the day to to be eating fish and chips. But <clears throat> back to flake. So you don't go mm. out to buy what, flake, flake, which is what it's known in the shops. It's sort of like a softer version of shark. And just so people don't feel so bad eating it. They're like, ooh, flake, that's fine. And there's lots of things around shark that we're going to talk about later in the show, which I find really interesting, mm. all of the connotations around around shark, the animal and the word. And because, you know, we don't want to eat it because it's an apex predator as well. That tends to be um, the problem for some people as well. Oh, really? Okay. Um, it's actually... The top yeah. of the food chain. <laughs> well, I mean, look, there's... Flake is, is supposed to be either um, gummy shark or school sharks. That's right, yeah. However, um, a lot of the flake, and there's been some controversial issues around flake in the last maybe four years in mm-hmm. Australia where a lot of fish and chip shops like, you know, and a lot of places that sell seafood don't have to label exactly what sort of shark it is. That's it's right, yeah. legally supposed to be these types of fish, mm. but there's been a huge influx of when they've done, you know, testing, you can Google it. There's articles online about it as, you know, that they've tested fish and it's turned out to be great white sharks from South Africa and things like that. So for me, I just, I would rather know what an animal is and be yes. able to take care of that myself. And so for me, it was really cool because we, you know, managed to prepare that straight away, freeze, package it, cut it up, freeze it up, and mm. then had my big mm-hmm. esky in the car and drove home with it. So I managed to bring it home with me. Great. And, and mm. size-wise, I mean, it looked massive, but in terms of a shark, it was actually a very small shark. Uh, it was quite a, for a school shark, that was quite a decent okay. size one. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. So they, not like they don't great, get much bigger. Big, like the great whites or something no. like that, yeah. And what, what I have come across as well is that th- they are the sharks you really should be avoiding eating because, in fact, the, the toxins within, within those sharks, and that's the problem is that because sharks are apex predators and they're top of the food chain, that they're collecting all the um, toxins that other fish are eating and they're just storing it in their body. It doesn't make them sick, but it becomes part of their, their body, their flesh. Exactly. And then, and then it makes those who eat those really large predators sick. So Yeah, exactly, yeah. which is why the, the school shark and gummy shark are what you're supposed to be consuming yes. as flake. If but you are we don't know it. that if you're buying it, even in your fish and chip shop or in a supermarket. No, well, you don't know. You really don't know. I mean, I, you know, the labelling laws around um, seafood are really uh, interesting in Australia and that you're supposed to do things, but I don't really know if there's a lot of monitoring. There's definitely some really great uh, small scale, you know, mum and pup kind of um, organisations in, in South Australia and mm. Queensland that that get school and gummy shark and they are very careful about it and they're well documented. Mm. And so, I mean, but you don't know if you're getting that exact no. fish. So for me, I'd rather yeah. just catch it myself if I'm going to eat it. Yep. yep. And you're going to kill it yourself as well, which is, I think, a very admirable thing to do, Laurie May. Was that, was that a difficult thing to kill the shark? N- uh, no, <laughs> not for, uh, no. Um, fortunately, uh, uh, you know, I, I feel really strongly about uh, my fishing background and, and my fishing heritage and my upbringing. Um, growing up 
you know, originally in the Gulf of Carpentaria and then on the East Coast, you know, on the water, uh, fishing with a first, as a First Nations person with that background, fishing's always been a way of life for me. So some of my first memories and my first photos of me that exist are, you know, being kind of surrounded by, you know, the catch of the day. My father would go out at night with this, with this, you know, mm. spear and his mates and they would all go and see what they could bring back. And so you'd always come back and you'd be kind of in the thick of while they were gutting and scaling. And um, so that was always really part of my upbringing. Yeah. And then uh, when my parents got divorced and my stepfather was a Thursday Island man, and so I kind of I got to maintain um, cultural connections through that, mm-hmm. um, and we used to uh, you know I remember going fishing in the Great Barrier or just you know hanging around the Great Barrier Reef and fishing for you know food, yep. you know just the yeah we used to catch sharks all the time mm. and, and, and keep them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have this great story. The one that got away, they decided they were going to catch a big shark. One, there was the the teenage boys were out of control they're like yeah we're gonna catch a big shark and they got the chicken which was going to be the the dinner and put it on the hook and got it out there in the water and they caught quite a large shark and as they tried to reel it in it uh, flicked up and flicked through the kitchen window and <laughs> smacked my mum in the face and knocked the microwave off the shelf and well that was a uh, yeah we uh we ate a lot of of lettuce uh, oh, that week because <laughs> we didn't have the chicken or the fish <laughs> Yeah. Um, so for me, I've sort of been exposed to that at a very, mm. very young age, like from when I was born. Mm. Um, living in the desert has been really challenging for me for the last almost 10 years because I'm not able to go and do those things. Mm. So when I do get away and I do get to go to the coast, the first thing I do is I'm like, right, that's it, I'm going hunting. Um, mm. So that's really important for me to be able to do. Yeah, and I know a few people, I know someone else who's been doing this on holidays, been getting a charter in South Australia and actually going out and fishing and bringing fish back. Yeah. So was that a challenge to, I mean, to, to gut it and to package it up and to get it back here all frozen? Um, well, the worst part is, is that because Nico had hurt himself quite badly, I couldn't <laughs> I stop. I can't believe you're laughing about your <laughs> husband having hurt himself. He was laughing. throwing up. That was actually, I think, how he caught the shark <laughs> because he was fishing for the Nanagai and he, he got a bit sick and he, he was quite funny about it. He, he threw up over the edge of the boat and then just kept fishing and caught two Nanagai on, on oh. one rod, so two hooks, and that was... And so uh, somebody said, oh, it must have been because he burlied up the water and then he caught a shark. We were oh, like, oh, that's, well, that's the ticket. That's it. Um, Chuck bit, in the water and you'll... <laughs> bit gross, I know, but... <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, so he was quite unwell and, and needed to go to emergency department. Oh. And so when we got the boat back, we, we thankfully with some friends and we had two cars. So, um, you know, Andy and Nico went off to the hospital and they left me and, uh, Carly behind to take care of the fish. And the eskies. Um, so you've, you've brought a lot of eskies with you. We just have, we have a really big, um, you know, like meat, uh, meat storage esky that's. Okay. Know, so not a Waco, not an electrical esky. No, no it's, yeah. um, I can't remember what it's called. Um, it's just a really good esky that you, you know, ice stays frozen in it for like a yeah, week. Yeah, um, I've got one. I've got like a trop box one. I think it's called it's, a Yeti. And they, it's, you're right, they do stay really, really cold. So you managed to then travel it all the way back here. I froze it first. So when we, after we finished um, gutting and filleting mm. and, and preparing the, the fish with our lovely mm-hmm. um, fishing guide who gave us a lot of help, which was wonderful, because, you know, uh, the only one who knew what they were doing, it was quite good to have some help there. My friend was like, I'm not doing that. So so just to backtrack, how did they prepare the, the shark after catching it? Like you, you have to hit it on the head to kill it quickly to stop the lactic acid. You have to kill it and gut it straight away. Okay. So if you don't gut your fish mm. immediately, it starts to, even when it's dead, like mm. it, that's the problem, it starts to leach out into the urine, starts to leach out into the skin. Mm. Um, so you cut it. 
you cut down around the gills and you cut in, you cut down, mm. you get all the mm-hmm. all the guts out, all the bits out, you hose it out really thoroughly mm. so that it's, you know, we can do it in the water really, mm. really well. Um, and then you bring it in, you know, like like that so it's mm-hmm. still... So um, you've got these big fillets, is that... Is that yeah, and yep. then you cut the skin off, you fillet it regularly and then yep. the, so the fillets are very long so you yep. end up with like a metre long fillet of fish. So... It's mm-hmm. quite a it's quite a burger. And uh, are you then cutting it up? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So I cut it in in one piece, and then I kind of butterfly it, mm. and so it's it's kind okay. of played out like a butterflied um, fillet. And then you can yeah. And then I froze them. I actually packaged them up in little individual packages, and I froze it because we were still there for a couple of days. Got new ice on the way home. Put it in, and then drove straight back to Alice Springs in two wow. days, and uh, was, everything was still. Frozen as when we go home. Yeah, this was only a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? As well, like, April. Okay. Oh, that, yeah, Nicholas. It was his birthday trip, and he spent his birthday in the ED while I ended up preparing scaling and and um, preparing fish and shark. Right. So once one of the things that I think is good to talk about is uh, we did talk about the peeing through the skin and all that. Mm. If you are going to buy flake at the supermarket or the shop or wherever mm-hmm. you're buying from it, and it has a kind of ammonia smell, mm. that ammonia smell is urine. Don't. You should eat be eating it. that. A all. lot. Yeah. I have bought. Sometimes I've I've been like desperate and craving flake. You know, gone. Oh, I really wouldn't mind. Oh, it won't hurt to buy it from from the store. And I have bought it, and it smelt like ammonia. I sort of just go. So I'm like, well. So don't. You definitely shouldn't. I mean, I, I don't think we should be eating anything that actually smells like ammonia for a start. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I've had those moments where you thought, oh, is it maybe just the cleaning products in the store? And then I've cut into it and had a sniff and you're like, no, no. we don't need that. So no, I, yeah. And I should say, look, we are interested in any anybody out there who's got strong feelings about shark. 0410-218-333 is the, um, is the messaging number here on HCC. And I'm looking at that right now if you want to send anything through. I'm going to have people calling in being like, how dare you? <laughs> We're just next to a fish and chip shop, but really. <laughs> I have actually had that. I've had a conversation with someone. They said, you know, we shouldn't be eating sharks. And I said, do you eat fish and chips at the store? They said, oh, of course. I said, have you eaten flake before? They said, oh, of course. Oh and I was gosh. like, well, you've actually you're eating, eating shark. shark. Um, and yeah. I think that idea of calling it flake is a way, it's almost like a euphemism, isn't it? So people aren't thinking, you know, oh, I'm eating shark. It's like, you know, I can remember when I worked out that flake was shark, it was like, well, why isn't it called shark? In New Zealand, it's called lemon fish. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, visiting family over in New Zealand when I was a kid, they'd be like, oh, lemon fish. And I thought, I thought, oh, it must be a New Zealand fish that we don't have in Australia. I've never heard of a lemon fish. And so I was quite, when I learned lemon fish was shark, I was like, oh, why don't they just call it fleck? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, so do you have to do any further preparation with your your shark meat before you cook with it? Because I'd read that you actually should be soaking it in milk to make it more palatable. I have read that. Mm. I don't <laughs> I've never soaked my shark in milk. I've also had lemon juice or vinegar, and I'm like, well, that would actually that cook would it. Cook the fish. You don't want to be doing that. Yeah, there yeah. there are websites that say you should be soaking it in lemon juice or vinegar to extract the thing. And I thought, well, I mean, if you want to make cocanda, yeah, which we're gonna talk. About. Which I have. maybe maybe second part mm, of the show. For absolutely, recipes. you know. So that's yeah, but no, I've never soaked it in milk. I might give it a try now. Yeah. And see if it makes a difference. But I think it depends on the freshness. If you were to buy it from a store, maybe that would be a good idea. But if you're catching your own fish and your own produce and you're harvesting it or butchering it straight away, then you shouldn't have that problem. If you do it properly, you won't have that problem. Because the purpose of the milk is to make it more palatable. So hopefully if you've done everything right, you don't need to do that, as you've said. What is the flesh of 
um, shark-like? Is it is it a firm flesh or is it yeah? It's flaky? I think it is quite a, a firm flesh. It's not flaky, mm-hmm. even though it's called flake. It's not. <laughs> it's um, but when <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, it's not flaky. Why did it get called, called flake? flake yeah. We'll never know. Yeah. Um, no, it is quite quite firm, but it's not like tough or chewy. Yep. Yeah, and so once it cooks, it's actually really nice and soft, oh. and you just and I think that's why it's so one of the reasons why it's so popular for fish and chip store, stores is because when it's, you know, deep fried, it maintains its shape mm. so it doesn't fall apart, but it's nice and soft tender yeah. to bite into. And, and I think it's, it's a, it is a fish, and, fish of choice for fish and chip <laughs> shops. It's a cartilaginous fish so it doesn't have all those bones in it. So. No bones, so nobody's going to, you know, choke on it. And no. when you actually cook it, the cartilage kind of dissolves. Yeah. So you don't, you know. Yeah. One of the things I did, I did, you know, when I'm I'm going on these journeys normally when I prepare for the radio show is I, I did come across the um, the shark fin soup or the shark fin issue, which is you know it's actually called shark finning, and that's mm. that is a very um, a terrible thing to do to to any animal. And the thing that I've found really like shocking was that the shark fin is only used for its texture in shark fin soup like it's not actually used for its flavor yeah it's a it's a really horrible practice and thankfully i've never seen it i have had friends who've caught a shark and it hasn't had <gasps> fins and that's can um, they survive they can't survive <clears throat> without their fins can they uh, they can for that's that's why it's even more horrible because they do for a short like you know they can for you know like a week Um, so, so, and then they will eventually go. Um, yeah, it is, it's, I mean, you're mutilating an animal and then you're not killing it. You're just putting it. You're just taking a little bit of it and and putting it back to die. It's pretty horrible. (laughs) It's pretty. Yeah. I can't, yeah, I can't imagine doing that. I think that's pretty, it's pretty gross. But Um, then it's this kind of very high value food sort of in, in Chinese cuisine as well. And that's what I'm saying. The really sad part is it's Mm. just a texture. Which you can get that texture from agar or from sweet potato noodles as well. So yeah. Why wouldn't you? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine the the benefits of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't even. It's not like you can. Yeah. I don't know. I I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't hurt an animal and then just like leave it. If you're gonna if you're gonna go to the effort of taking an animal's life, you may as well be you know eating the whole thing. Yeah. So we're at that point of the show. I think we need to start talking about. Cooking flake, cooking, cooking shark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We do have a mid uh, a mid show song coming up. Let's go to the song, and then I'm going to go to the fridge and get and something get for what you. We're going to eat tonight. So, going to make I, everyone jealous out there. The the yeah the, you know, the shark journey for tonight's show started off with you know you know Amy Shark of course you know what, what a great singer. I hadn't musician. even thought about that. <laughs> but then I, I sort of go to things like deep water, deeper water. Because sharks, you know, you, you get in deep water, and then I started thinking, why didn't I just look for flake as a, um, you know, as a song? <laughs> Anyhow, we are going to go. We're not going to go with flake. I've got flake here, but we are going to go with um, a song called "Shark in the Water." There are quite a lot of sh- shark songs, believe it or not. I it's imagine a, there yeah. are. Uh, Anyhow, "Shark in the Water" by Vivi Brown. Oh, I'm sorry, that's actually "Deeper Water" playing by Paul Kelly. We'll have to have. Uh, sorry, Shark in the Water by Vivi Brown at the end of the show. And that was, of course, Paul Kelly uh, singing Deeper Water as part of our shark 
our shark show today. And if you stick around, we will be uh, playing Shark in the Water by uh, Vivi Brown at the very end of the show. So, Laurie, you've got some little containers with some food in them and I haven't had afternoon tea. I'm so Mm. looking forward to this. Can you tell me what is in that container? Um, Well, look, I wanted to take you on a little bit of a journey, so I'll start with the, the, you know, the origins of eating shark. Obviously, you know... Um, as long as First Nations people all over the world have been have been you know fishing and and catch and different obviously people eat different things mm-hmm. but um, people have eaten shark uh, recorded in Chinese history in uh, dating back as far as the Ming Dynasty um, so shark has been you know quite heavily mm-hmm. um, eaten there and then you've got in different countries do different things so I'm sort of going all over the place with this but the the point is is that the dish that I've made for you is actually from Fiji. Um, so this is called Kokonda and it is delicious. And once again, another rambling tie-in is my <laughs> third year wedding anniversary was two days ago um, to the lovely Nico who caught this shark. And my sister's wedding anniversary is today, 10-year wedding anniversary. And so Nico and I had only been together for under six months or something and we ended up I ended up saying well let's go to my sister's wedding I'll take you to meet my family because I was quite fond of him quite early on (laughs) I thought he was okay (laughs) and so he came over to Fiji for my sister's destination wedding and we fell in love with this dish called Kokonda and so he spent most of the day preparing it um, for us and so this is this is uh, shark. I'm just going to open it. It's been, it's nice and cold. Shark. But make sure you get, so this is, um, yeah, it's a Fijian dish and it's um, shark, it's raw shark that's yep. been uh, sat in lemon and lime, local lemon and lime juice all day uh, in the fridge. <clears throat> and then it's uh, drained and tossed with some green capsicum from the garden and tomato and coriander and red onion. Oh, it's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. so fresh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Mmm. Yeah, and then, you're just going to eat the whole right? I don't get any. Rita's eating the whole thing. So, right, I'm, I'm in charge of the show now. Um, so that is, that is shark. Could, could take your spoon out because we're, doing, we're, we're doing, doing COVID rules. Oh. Um, mm. So, and then, yeah, and then it's tossed with some nice coconut milk, you know, at the end. And so this here is different. So do we want to, yeah. before you, you know, race into um, the next dish. The flesh is definitely like it has some give in it. Which is, is nice. It doesn't fall apart. One of the things I don't like about fish is it falling apart. And you haven't got like a whole lot of lemon juice in there. And you've got a really nice balance between like the lemon juice and the coconut milk and the, some salt yeah. in there as well. The salt is actually from a, um, a salt lake I harvested myself as mm. well. So that's that's um, yeah. hand, hand scraped salt mm. Mm. Um, and hand caught shark um, with local fresh ingredients. And yeah. is that your own like spring onion and capsicum as well? Uh, the, uh, the capsicum is, but the spring onion is from the uh, Food for Alice community. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm. Uh, yeah, um, so that's really well, – I've eaten ceviche. Yeah. With, I saw, when you said this, I was like, ceviche? And you're like, no, it's kakonda. And, and I see that it's not ceviche either because it's not the slices, but it's the little lovely little chunks. It's more similar in, uh, to, 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 you know, the, the – 
poke, the Hawaiian dish. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's that chunks of it. Mm. So it's it's sat in the it's cooked in the lemon and lime juice, mm. and then that's completely strained off, which is so it's not supposed to be too overpowering. Mm. But I swapped some of the honey from my hive for those oh, lemons okay. and limes. So it's as locavorian as you can get in the desert when it comes to eating seafood. And just just perfectly cooked. Can I say? I mean, I know it's not cooked, but it is actually cooked in the. In, in the lime juice or mm. the lemon juice. So I think that's what I notice is that you've got like it's sort of a little bit cooked on the outside but then the inside is still nice and uncooked. So yeah. it's um, – and but you're still getting the flavour as well of both uncooked and a little bit of cooked. Mm. Well, yeah, with, with the um, with the shark that's usually – that's, you know, five to six hours of sitting in that mm-hmm. citrus juice to really get that cooked kind yeah. of vibe. But my second dish I've made you is actually – so this is actually the nanagai. So this isn't shark. <clears throat> so this is what I went fishing for was mm-hmm. Nanagai. And it is a it's like a um it's like a crimson snapper and it's got a really um it is quite soft, so I'd be interested to see yeah. how, how you go with it. Is it a big fish? Uh it's not huge. There's obviously size restrictions mm-hmm. of, of how big they have to be before you can catch them. I think yep. it was like twenty five centimeters. So I caught the biggest fish. I didn't catch as many as everyone else, which was hilarious because I was the most experienced. I had all these amateurs with me and they were catching more fish and I'm just like, Oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I'll catch the biggest one and sure enough I caught the biggest oh, fish. Good. It and huge. it's all um line fishing? Yeah, yes. Okay. So all from the line. So this is the this is the um this is the more traditional style fish that you use for a coconda, which is usually like a kingfish or a softer texture fish because they uh, breaks down more. U- using shark in this dish is is rarer. <laughs> Turn your mic down while you're chewing. <clears throat> but and so yeah, it would be. Int- I think you probably you look like you prefer the shark. It's a bit of a dilemma. Because I think I know what they are and I know I, I sort of have a prejudice against sharks. <laughs> but I think the shark one, I think I preferred the texture of the shark one because it's kind of gives back. Mm. You know, you kind of, it's not just soft and easy and it's, um, and it's got, I have to say, I think it has a bit more flavour than the nanagai. Yeah, nanagai is a really gentle, um, it is a really gentle fish. Um, and so I think that's probably why people prefer eating it when mm. it's... Um, well, you know, when it's cooked like this, I'm going to have a little bit of it myself because I'm actually quite hungry. <laughs> so mm. the kakonda, how is it? How is it served? Are we just eating a bowl of this? Yeah, yeah, with rice. No, you just you just Eat eat in a bowl. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's you know, depending on where you are, it's served in a in a ceramic bowl, or sometimes you can get it. You know, they serve it in a in a in a little in a mm-hmm. co- coconut shell or however wherever you're eating it is. So I actually made my own coconut bowls, and I was gonna. Bring it in oh. the coconut bowl, and I thought oh, that's a bit hard to transport. Maybe with a bit of carver <laughs> as well. We <laughs> that would be an interesting um, um, show. radio that's a show. show. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, normally I wouldn't really do this unless it was very fresh fish, and because yep. it is, um, you know, it's still fresh. Mm. It's, yeah, fresher than you get anywhere else. And can you do this with other fish? Do you think other than um, nanny guy or shark? If it was just, you just needs to be fresh fish basically to do kakonda. Yeah, ideally anything that's a snapper. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't do it with a tough fish or a barramundi or something really overpoweringly flavourful mm-hmm. either. You certainly wouldn't do it with salmon or, or yeah. any fat. You do, not fatty fish, basically. Okay. Um, fatty fish or oily fish in the lemon juice goes a bit slimy and mm. um, breaks down too much. What about threadfin salmon? Um, you could probably uh, maybe um, you, no, because threadfin salmon is quite fatty. It's quite yeah, oily. I was going to say, I just that texture doesn't seem like it would go that well. No, stick to a stick to a crimson snapper. So, 
if you can, or if you're up in, in Top End, or if you're down in um, South Australia, uh, Ananagai, mm. and if you're over in, um, you know, Brisbane, if you're fishing off Bribey Island, you can probably do it with a with a whiting or something. Yes. I don't know. Get me all that fishing to do. Now, mm. can we also talk about some other ways of eating shark? Yeah, I mean, the most common one is that I think everyone in Australia who's ordered fish and chips has eaten. Everyone's like, no, I swear I haven't. You have. It's, uh, it's, it's you know, your battered fish, your mm. traditional battered fish. That's what I think in Australia everyone's like, that's battered that's fish. It, yeah, and, you know, I, I really like a good fish and chips, but I, I, I don't think I'm very good at battering fish. I think I was telling you I, I made um, battered uh, fish when I was in Tassie with some not very fresh um, flathead and I did a... A beer batter, and it was it wasn't very good. So I'm interested to know how you know what you would suggest in terms of uh, mm. a batter, and also because I know you're you're gluten intolerant, I'd be keen to know how to make a, a gluten free batter. It's the easiest thing in the world, and it's actually better than a wheat batter because it doesn't have um, the gluten in it, which binds and clogs it mm. up. So you end up with a really light batter that, when you deep fry, is like nice and crispy and really light, but still has that beautiful yeah, traditional. Yeah, what you want. Like you don't want the. I don't want a big thick batter, but I do like a, a thin crisp batter. Yeah. Well, so I do like to double dip it so that it is thicker than, mm -hmm. you know, and you do have to with, with a gluten-free one. So I usually just get a gluten-free self-raising flour and then put in a couple of teaspoons of um, turmeric powder, a bit of salt and a bit of pepper. And I use the turmeric because I guess it reminds me of in New Zealand when New Zealand batter is that really nice yellow and it's that slight slight hint of turmeric. You don't want it overpowering. You don't want to taste the turmeric. The turmeric is mainly there for the colour and just like that hint, hint of taste if I can call it a hint of taste. Mm. So, yeah, and then I just put in like a cup of flour and then I add, you know, start mixing like half a cup and then just get it to a really nice and then a little bit more depending so, and then just get uh, a nice consistency. So you're not using sparkling mineral water or beer? No. Oh. So water and flour, <laughs> that's it. Just water and flour. <clears throat> yeah. And is, you said you do a double dipping. Like you don't dip it in flat in like gluten-free flour and then the batter? No, no, you never do that. You end up with a soggy fish. Um, the the If you do that, the flour mm. gets um, – it just gets slimy. Mm. You end up with slime. And so, so you want to avoid slime. But the reason gluten-free self-raising flour works is because of the rice flour element to it. Oh, of course. Yeah. Rice flour is really, really good on in batter. Yeah. Mm. And, and then and I just – Yeah. yeah mm. Just dip it in there, get it nice and covered, and then I take it out, shake it off, dip it in a second time quickly, and then chuck it straight. Well, not, don't chuck because you'll get splattered with yeah. oil. Put it in the, place. In the saucepan. Place Carefully. it in the saucepan. And then you just like wait and it goes, boom, it puffs up really intensely and you end up with a nice puffy, That's great. beautiful crispy batter. And then if you make a nice aioli or mm. something with it or lemon juice. You know, and I think you're delicious. completely right. A lot of those uh, gluten-free flours like potato flour and uh, rice flour are often mm. much better for deep frying because you get much nicer crumb than mm. um, a, a wheat flour. Mm. Absolutely. The, the other thing that I, I like doing with any sort of firm fish, don't use a soft fish because mm -hmm. like you would never use nanagai in the next recipe because it would be, oh, I have, I used snapper once and it disintegrated and mm. it was really gross. I ate it because it tasted good but texturally it was quite a, a gross sloppy mess. But shark works well in, uh, I make fish and broccoli pie. Oh, it's really Ooh. good. 
Wow, it's a good time of year to be making pies as well. It is pie season. So I'm, I usually cheat and just use a gluten-free store-bought pastry because I cannot for the life of me make pastry. I, I, I love pastry, but I, I must admit I've never made a gluten-free pastry. Oh, I have, I've spent, you know, 15 years trying and I've now, you know, resigned you know, to the fact that yeah. I'm never going to be able to do it well. But you can get a good store-bought one. And then I just like fry up lots of onions and leeks and um, no garlic because it's too overpowering in this mm-hmm. recipe. And then I put like a little bit of a little bit of mustard mm-hmm. um, in Dijon and I deglaze with some white wine. And um, I have some very, very gently because you don't want to overcook the broccoli. I just pan fry broccoli very quickly so yeah. it's still really firm. And then toss that. I toss in a bit of the the chop up the fish. Toss that in so it just cooks. So how big are your fish pieces? Oh, pretty big. Pretty, okay, so because big, like that's inch. what you've got to get kind of right, don't yeah. you? Because you don't want your fish to be overcooked. You don't want it to dissolve yep. or fall apart in there. So a nice mm. big chunk of fish. So a few pieces can break off here and there, and mm. it'll be okay. And then I just toss through the the broccoli, and then I know this is going to sound really gross, but it's not. It's really delicious. And then I just chuck in an entire pot. <laughs> Of sour cream. Oh, okay. I was gonna. So I was good. thinking. I, I can feel some cream coming <laughs> on. Definitely just... cream coming on. And then I just toss that around, and then put in your pie, and serve it with some tomato sauce. And it's probably the most New Zealand thing that I can do is pies, and the way that you do them. I think it's my my mum's background oh, coming out in me. Sounds good. Is it a pie with a base and a top, or is it one of those pies that you just put the top on it? You can do whatever you want. I've even been like, like not had pastry and gone, what am I going to do? So I've just mm. gotten a whole lot of seeds and nuts mm. and I've just kind of quickly like blitzed them. So they're not powdery, but just like kind of crumbly, grated a little bit of parmesan and put that on top and yeah. baked it as well. So it's still got like a, a, a texture quality of a pie to it, and that's also been very delicious and much healthier. Yeah. Um, how long are you cooking this for? Because you've got to be careful here, don't you, not to overcook the pie because you want your pastry crisp but yeah. and a slow just oven or a nah, quick oven? Just 180 until it's done. So the, the, <laughs> I'm, I'm really lazy. 180 is pretty much my standard <laughs> for a lot of things. Mine's 200 to 220 actually. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've got an oven that actually goes up to 280 sometimes to to clean it, but um, Um, occasionally I'll just, you know, put it up to something higher than 220. I know it's naughty. Are you letting it rest when you take it out of the oven or are you just... Supposed to. (laughs) Supposed to. Usually by that point I've been sitting there smelling a pie cooking for half an hour and I'm like, oh, I've got to eat that pie. Um, did I hear you say that you served it with tomato sauce or was I, I imagining do. No, that? I no, do, I do, yeah. No, I was she didn't really say that. I did say you that. You did say that. I did, yep. It's a very brave admission there. I feel like people are like, why would you do that? That's uh, I'm disgusting. thinking, why would you do that? Yeah, It's delicious and I stand by that recipe. Okay. Um, yeah, I make my own tomato sauce, so it's that. Oh, okay, it's so my, it's a homemade tomato my, sauce. Oh, not Heinz. Oh, look, I tell you what, I've done it with anything. <laughs> If you've got it, I'll eat it. And it works really it works really well for some reason. I don't know. Anything with pastry is good with tomato sauce. Mm. I didn't put tomato sauce on the one I did with seeds and nuts, though, because mm. I thought that would be a bit weird. So I don't never, never put uh, tomato sauce on, on pastry. You're missing out. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, so those are, those are three things that I, I do quite yeah. regularly with sharks. Oh, that's great. When I can get shot, which isn't very often. So I'm talking like once every 10 years. So mm. before everyone's worried that I'm, you know, running out there catching all the sharks. And yeah. It's like once every 10 years. So it's not very oh, often. But what a great holiday, you know, to not only sort of like have a holiday and to 
get out on a boat, which is a great thing to do, but to actually then come back with some um, sustenance that can last you for, for weeks and weeks. Absolutely. I'm still, you know, it's been just over a month and I'm really happy with, you know, the fact that I can still go to the fridge and pull out a, a whole fish or I've fill, got a lot filleted, but I've still got a couple of whole yeah. guy and some shark and, and it, you know, it's that feeling of being able to being able to provide for yourself and being able to know you know you don't have to go and buy these things from the supermarket mm. you don't have to question how was it caught how was it killed mm. you know what was the what was the boat like was it were other animals hurt in the making of it you know like mm. you really know when you're preparing your own food exactly where it came mm. from you know and and so i think that's probably if you're going to be if you are a meat eater that's the most ethical way mm. of, of meat consumption um, now, do you have a deep freeze? I do have a deep freeze. <laughs> it's full of goat at the moment. Goat and fish. Oh, wow. Yeah, and some roosters. Everyone needs to stop bringing me roosters. Oh, they're not bringing you dead roosters. No. They're bringing you live roosters because they know that – I was going to say that your place is a killing field. It is. Oh, my God. That sounds horrible. <laughs> no, we were, we, were, we were butchering a goat the other day and I think – where's Stu Liddell is around yeah, somewhere. He is around. I've seen him. And yeah. Stu rocked up with a – with a it was actually my rooster. I, I um when I had chickens, I hatched a bunch of little babies, and I, I um couldn't keep them anymore, and so I gave them to Stu's house, and one of them turned out to be a rooster, which was bothering his neighbours. And oh, so he returned it. So he, he, he was did. an unhappy customer. He did. It was a really um it was a really beautiful rooster that that made a delicious um, oh, stock. Okay. And yeah, we ended up making rooster with the meat. We made mm. um, rooster tacos. Oh, wow. Do you, do you think, um, this is an aside and we are going to come back to shark in a minute, do you think roosters and just like female chickens taste different? Absolutely. So different. Roosters are so much tougher. Okay. Yeah. And gamier? Gamier. Gamier and tougher. So, yeah, I mean, we, um, you can cook them in different ways. Mm. But usually if I'm eating rooster, um, yeah, we get a big pot, put the pot on. After you've obviously prepared it and cleaned it and got all the gross bits out you and then you boil it up mm. and then we strip the chicken mm. meat off and then you've got you know pulled chicken which you can do all sorts of things with like tacos mm. and then we put this the carcass back in the water that we'd been cooking it in and then you chuck in an onion and some carrot and some parsley and a bit of pepper and a bit of salt and a, you know a few things of garlic if you want and mm. then you just boil that for about three hours and you've got a really beautiful gelatinous because it's much more gel- oh, okay. gelatiny than a chicken mm. and you end up with a really nice deep rich stock mm-hmm and broth that you can then add things to. Has it been like a journey for you to be able to kill your own animals and eat them? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously growing up around seafood and that, it was really normal for me, but moving on to other things was was quite difficult but yeah, I had that moment where I was like I was like if I can't do this, I might as well just be I might as well be a vegan, you know, cuz I was like nuts. So I've been we've been really mm. conscious of that and also with, you know, if food security does become a concern to know that we will be able to um, provide for yeah. friends and family and ourselves and is is quite, you know, important for us. Because it is a skill to be able to like kill an animal. Um, it's, I mean, there's the ethical issue but then the actual skill of how to do it humanely mm. and how to do it in such a way that the flesh isn't spoiled like what we're already saying with the mm. with the shark yeah I haven't been it's been learning curve for me with chickens and roosters definitely like goat I've seen you know when I, I used to live in Uganda and so I sort of seen that done a lot and so I kind of know mm. but roosters and chickens was was one for me and thankfully one of our 
Our friends has just moved back to Alice Springs and, and her partner, Enoch, from a, is lovely and um, from Ghana and so they have a different way of taking care of the animals as well and so he's been showing us that way which has been interesting learning In different ways of, and, as well. Yeah. Of how to kill the animal. Yeah, yeah, and like the right, you know, the right way yep. that for him to do it and so mm. it's been a, a cultural learning as well. Yeah. Because, like, just back to sharks and fishing, you know, I, I don't go fishing generally because I, I feel really bad about killing a fish. <laughs> it's really interesting to me that, you, you know, a lot of people will say that they don't eat meat. Oh, but they eat fish because, you know. Yeah, exactly. I don't that, um, see any difference whatsoever. No, absolutely not. And I think it's really important that yeah. if you are going to be doing that, that you do it the right way and you do it as quick as you can, you know. So, yeah. Pretty much like a lot of things in Central Australia, could hit it on the head usually works. Yeah. I can remember my son caught a rock cod once when he was little and, and I can remember looking into those rock cod's eyes and um, we kept it. And every time I opened the <laughs> fridge and I, and I saw that rock cod that had all been cut up, I just kept seeing the little eyes and I couldn't eat any of it. It's so weird. Like I've always been able to eat fish, but then as soon as I'm, when I went to visit my, my mum's parents, my grandparents in New Zealand when I was like eight, my granddad tried to make me eat white bait fritters and I was like, nah, those little eyes, why are they so little? Like, and I, there's so many of them. Like you're eating so many little fish in one mouthful. But he was, a, he was a white bait fisherman and so. White bait is really nice. Yeah, which, you know, uh, yeah, so. Unfortunately, the commercial fishing can really mess up yep. local uh, food economies mm. and traditional you know, harvesting methods yep. and so fortunately they've had that problem over in New Zealand as well with commercial fishing just as, you know, I have a lot of issues with it here yep. and, yeah. Back to shark, one of the things I, I found interesting when I was doing my research for this show was mm. that all the um, negative connotations around sharks. This shark is defined as to live by deceiving people. An example of to shark is to constantly cheat people out of their money to get by. A person such as a loan shark who takes advantages of the misfortunes of others for personal gain. So that's that's quoted like from mm. Wikipedia. And I, and I th- like this idea that, you know, there's this idea that sharks, you know, we should not only should we not eat sharks, but they're also a bad animal. They've got a lot of negative connotations. And even there's, there's a, a shark is a spirit animal. It's got a power. It's got symbolism of, of power as well. I mean, depends on, on where you are and where you're from, but... I think the, the negative connotations around sharks is really unfair to the shark itself. Sharks are a really beautiful animal and they serve a really, really important part in our ecosystem. Mm. Um, they play a really important role. People, the negative connotations come about because of the, their nature. They are a predator. Yep. People are scared of them. And particularly, you know, non, non-Indigenous people don't live in harmony with a lot of animals and there is the whole need to we need to feel safe swimming in our oceans mm. and so we're going to you know strip the ocean full of apex predators whereas i don't think you'll ever meet a first nations person who have that that no. viewpoint because it's just not I'd like you know i mean that's quite funny i don't go swimming in the ocean because that's where sharks live you know i do it to a point but i'm not gonna if i if i'm i'm not gonna go surfing somewhere or go i don't surf because i don't because i'm like sharks live there uh you know it's the same it's the same argument for crocodiles in yeah in top end as well mm. and people you know calling for crocodile culls so that they can feel safe going swimming in mm. waterways and to be honest you're on you that's like you know that's its home and mm. you're in its home there and you need to um have that respect for it i think sharks are 
that's just such amazing. If you any shark documentary, I think if you if you you know if you think sharks are a bad or scary animal, watch a shark documentary, and you know I think people will get turned around because they're so they're so clever, and they're so strong, and they're so they're so beautiful and graceful mm. as well. You know, I was swimming off a, a boat up in um, like Bumaga, which is the you know the tip of Cape York, a couple mm. of years ago, and anyway, we went around the corner of this island to fish, and there was like mackerel sort of shooting out of the ocean and it was quite amazing but we suddenly looked around and we were surrounded by sharks <laughs> brown sharks and the thing I noticed was that they were that you couldn't see their fins right so when I go swimming I go look out for the fins for the shark but the sharks in water you know there's no fins because they're in deep water mm. yeah but it, it, it was quite beautiful like these sharks because we weren't in it we weren't in any way threatened there was lots of fish around, so it was yeah. It, it did it did make me reconsider the my attitude towards sharks, just seeing them um, in that natural environment. Mm, definitely, I yeah. I personally, I love it. I remember you know being quite young, you know, in Great Barrier Reef, and my mum was always trying to make me go snorkeling. You know, I was like, no, sharks live there. And at one time, I did. I think she convinced me to go you know, give it a go and I must have been about six years old and I remember coming face to face with a with a school shark <laughs> and then just being like, No, no, thank you. That's not for me. And so since then I've I've sort of, you know, kept my distance. I like the I like the ocean. I love being on the water. I love fishing. I love being around it. But yeah, no. Same as same as crocodiles, just give them their space yes, and, and and their respect. We can have pools. We can swim in we can swim in pools. <laughs> Well, look, that's it for tonight's show. Thanks again to the very effervescent and amazing cook, Laurie May. Can I wish you happy, happy, you know, cooking for the rest of your shark? I uh, thank you, thank you so much, and, th- and happy anniversary as well. And happy anniversary, <laughs> and thanks, Nico, for catching this beautiful um, shark that we've been able to eat, and then also taking all day to prepare this lovely. Oh, it's um, did, did Nico do this? Yeah, he did. Oh, thank you, Nico. <laughs> yeah, he was working from home today, and I was like, oh no, can you please make kakonda? And he, so, yeah. Oh, he's a he good man, it. isn't he? <laughs> he is. Thank you. You've been listening to Kitchen Radio on A Triple C Community Radio. Uh, my name is. Rita Katoni, keep cooking and don't forget to listen in next next week for another show and you can also follow me on Facebook. Good night and we're going to go out tonight with uh, Shark in the Water after all that. You've been listening to Kitchen Radio on 8 C 102.1 FM in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek. <laughs>